Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. What's up, friends? I'm Julie Bender. Julie, I know you have coffee and Bible. We mention that occasionally, and you always say, don't say, I <laughs> don't read say, my Bible every single day, okay? I don't. And when I read my Bible and don't put it on Facebook, I'm like, ah, I didn't tell them I read. <laughs> <laughs> so Whatever. There's, there's, it's a a lot, there's a lot around <laughs> reading the Bible emotionally as well as actually just reading the Bible. For sure. Well, obviously here at Grit and Grace, the Bible is a value for us, but we want to make that more relatable for your everyday life as well. But let's start with some fun facts about the Bible. Talking about, you know, making it relatable. Yeah, totally. Did you know that every year the Bible sells over 100 million copies? Wow. I think it's the Have most... Have you bought a Bible this year? Um, online. I yeah. have a Bible. I mean, like where a, else would you buy a Bible? Oh, I guess people go no, to stores. No, I, I mean the digital version, not just oh, okay. a print version online. I mean a digital version. I bought. I mean, and if, you bought it online? Yes, I well, did. Well, there's free Bible apps. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. This I'm really but, getting out of know, control. But what are you doing? <laughs> I'm rewarding the publisher for doing the work. Okay. Oh, spoken like a true writer. Okay. Okay. I feel like I haven't bought one this year, but I could see mm-hmm. how it is the number one best-selling book. The Bible has also been translated to more than 690 languages, which makes me realize that I'm not aware of how many languages there are. <laughs> because we only thought there was what, like uh, French, Spanish, English. I'm like, English? <laughs> I was going to put that in there. But you're right. I didn't know so there were many. that many. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Okay. This is a funny, kind of a funny, weird one. Okay, go. Because of a typographical error, there were early prints of a wicked Bible. Wicked? That's what, yeah, wicked, like in not good. like Not Wicca, but wicked. Wicked Bible. Because the misprint said, thou shalt commit adultery. (gasps) Oh, that is wicked. That's that's a, instead of thou shall not. So it was published in 1631, and it was also known as the Adulterous Bible. Wow. Boy, I'll be, that would probably be a collector's copy right now. Well, they said that. in 2018, this Wicked Bible was put on auction by Sotheby's, of course, and sold for $56,250. I think the two fifty at the end is funny. <laughs> that last paddle went up like $56,250. Sold! <laughs> yeah, and then what would you do with it? Hey, here's my Adulterous Bible. I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, you know, bless their hearts. Printers, they were doing it manually. They were putting the little letters in, so it was a tough one. Okay, here's here's the most, to me, almost unbelievable one. It is the most shoplifted, stolen book that exists. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that definitely kind of makes me sad. Like, we need to be doing a better job of making Bibles easier to get where people don't feel like they have to steal them. Yeah, when I was probably 20... 21. I bought my first very expensive Bible. I thought you were going to say you stole a Bible. No, I did it. <laughs> I bought my first very, very, and they can be expensive can, back then yeah. with the nice leather cover. And I was so excited about it and it got stolen out of my car. Aww. And I remember thinking, 
okay, God, I should be happy they got it. Oh, yeah. Or no, I'm really not. So, you know, don't don't steal one. We'll give you one. We'll find one for you if you need it. (laughs) Well, there are many more facts to learn about the Bible. And there's been so much written about it. But the key really, I think, for us is understanding why the Bible matters and learning how to make it a part of our everyday life. Yeah, and we're really excited to have an old friend of mine and a pretty effective Bible teacher join us. Steve Wiggins is a pastor and served on the staff of Willow Creek Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois, and Greg Laurie's Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. He's also the founder of Groundworks Ministries, a worldwide community of people committed to reading the Bible every day. Prior to his role as a pastor, Steve was the lead singer of Christian rock band Big Tent Revival, which received five Grammy Award nominations. Were you there watching him get those Grammys? Mm, some of them, yeah. I'm sure you Pretty were. Pretty awesome. Steve, welcome. It's good to have you with us at Grit and Grace Life. It's great to be here. Thank you. I know you guys have a little bit of history, so it feels like I'm like the odd girl at the table (laughs) hanging out with old friends, but I'm going to be cool with it. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, Big Tent Revival was an ardent slash forefront band. Okay, I'm not even going to explain that. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) They were, you know, great band that we worked with and had the pleasure of it. And Steve, I mean, how long ago was that? It was quite a long time ago because I believe that Big Tent Revival played their last performance New Year's Eve out at Greg Laurie's church, a Harvest Christian Fellowship. And uh, that would have been New Year's Eve 2000 going into 2001. And what that turned out to be. Big end. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big end. You know, and it's, I know that you're, you've, had i don't know if i'd call it a lot of different transitions or different times or seasons of life since then and ended up where you are but a musician who you know is generally one personality that ends up being a bible teacher which is what your heart and your concentration is now seems like a long road or a bit of a stretch yeah it's uh it's it's one of those uh interesting little uh uh, it's it's like a little barrier there that you don't see, but it's there where uh, typically when you go to an event and there's speakers and then they have music, you know, like let's say it's a men's conference or mm-hmm. something. It's almost like there's a, there's a, 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 I wouldn't say it's a Lord's and a surf kind of a relationship, <laughs> but I would say that the guys with more advanced degrees have a better level of catering. And, uh, <laughs> You don't typically see one person cross over to the other. You don't see pastors get out and say, hey, let me pick up that guitar and lead everybody in a song. And then they expect that the guy that's leading the music is not going to come over and say, can I open up a Bible and talk to them about Daniel? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, you know, yeah. not to not to give musicians a bad rap, but, you know, some of them are just musically brained only. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's a little division there, but obviously you are not one of them. You know, it's an interesting thing. I had a manager, Dwayne Ward, who I think you remember Dwayne. Sure. But uh, Dwayne uh, managed Big Tent Revival. I had an office in his office building and he walked into my office one day and he goes, you know, Steve, I deal with people that are very successful. And he goes, and in my opinion, uh, I don't think they're any more talented than you. And of course, that was a very nice thing to say. (laughs) But that's the kind of things friends would say, but they might not actually mean. And he goes, but I tell you what they are. They're, They're more focused than you. And, uh, and he said, and, and what we need to do is I feel like we should help you redefine 
what your calling is. Because it's possible to be unemployed, but it's impossible to be uncalled. And so your job is not your calling. It might be how you live out your calling. And so he's like, I think that you define your calling by what it is that you are created to do. And if you weren't employed, you would still do that thing, right? If you're a songwriter, you would still write songs even if you didn't have a record deal. That's, you know, if that's what you're called to do, he goes, but nobody in the world is looking for a, a lead singer songwriter outside of the music business. And if you're wanting to venture outside of the music business, you have to find out those elements of what that is that everybody knows and needs. And so we came down uh, after a pretty decent season of time, we came down to defining who is Steve Wiggins as this. He is created to uh, creatively communicate the Bible. Hmm. And, and he's been doing that through music for many years, his whole adult life, but he's no longer doing music. And so, but he's still a high level problem solver uh, who can creatively communicate. And when I say that, when people would come up to me, for instance, I wrote that song, Choose Life, and Greg Laurie's like, hey, I'm gonna do a harvest crusade. I'm gonna be in front of 40,000 people at Anaheim Stadium. And at the very end of my message, I wanna bring it all around to a choice, either choice to receive Jesus or to walk away. Hmm. And the Bible says it's about living or dying or blessing or cursing. Well, that's a pretty high level problem. Mm, yeah. And how am I gonna communicate that within three minutes to 40,000 people and they've never heard it before, but it's somehow supposed to motivate them. And now let's take those skills and let's put that into a different arena. And I feel like what that, what that did for me was allowed me to see myself outside of a very narrow scope, which I had become very comfortable in. I am a songwriter and I am a lead singer for a band. And then it allowed me to say, no, you're called to creatively communicate the gospel. Mm -hmm. And let's take all the people that go to church out of the picture. What about the vast majority that don't go to church? Right. How can you creatively communicate to them the gospel in a for, in a way that is not presently being done in churches. And I think that really started about 15 years ago, something in demotion, which is what I'm doing full-time now, which is creatively communicating the Bible, every single word of it, every single chapter of it, day by day, chapter by chapter, every three and a quarter years, leading people through the Bible. And the results of that are transformative. I love that. Well, I think the truth is, is we can probably agree. We know the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. And so everyone's familiar that the Bible exists. But as far as a personal relationship with the stories of the Bible, there's varying degrees of that. I mean, a lot of people know popular Bible characters. You've got your David and Goliath. You've heard the Christmas story. You know why we set aside Easter as some random you know, day in the spring. But as far as why the Bible matters for my everyday life, that's where our listener may not have a personal example of. That's right. And, you know, I heard somebody say recently that they were asked by a person that says, do you really think that I need Jesus to go to heaven? Mm -hmm. And they answered, um, I need Jesus to go to the grocery store. <laughs> True. And the, <laughs> and the idea that, um, 
that, that a relationship with Jesus is not just about what happens when you die. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus says of himself, I've come that you might have life and that that life would be abundant. And, uh, and I, I believe that when people only see him from a narrow scope, then, then, they, then they will have a, a very small opinion of who he is and what their need for him is. But when you walk with him and you, and you read the Bible every day, you develop a relationship with him. The problem with the church in America is not that there is not good teaching. There might be some of the best communicators in the history of the world alive today. And it's not that people don't have access to that teaching through the internet and through all kinds of media platforms. We have the greatest access to the greatest teaching of all time. And yet why is Christianity in decline? And the answer is because people don't have any value for it. Yeah. And in sermons, are not designed in order to instill values in people. Uh, sermons are typically designed in order to um, get an immediate response to a particular uh, topic in the moment. But values are conveyed in a different way. V values are not taught, values are caught by spending time with people whom you esteem. And when you only spend 30 minutes to an hour with a pastor once a week, it's very hard to actually have to consider you have a personal relationship that's that's pushing your value meter. But when you spend time with the Lord in his word, then what happens is you start to you start to have a change in your values because you're spending time with him and you're listening to him as you're reading his word to you. And when you start to put that into practice, you start to live according to that. You start to test those things out. He always proves faithful to the things which he calls you to accomplish. That's really what is needed more than anything else. Other than that, then, okay, well, why do we do Christmas? And uh, why do we go to Easter? Or why those things don't make any sense in the context. He didn't just come to get you out of trouble. He came to get into trouble with you. Mm -hmm. and to walk with you and to do life with you. And when your relationship with Jesus moves from a weekly event to a daily appointment, then your values start to move because you want to be like the person that you're around the most, whom you esteem the most. You know, Stevie, you, you just mentioned the verse life and life more abundantly. And I, I've sat back and pondered that. Abundant life to me doesn't necessarily mean all the good stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, your best days. It means life in abundance. And what you just said, I, I, I have found in my life to be true that the, the, even the most difficult times when I walk with the Lord and have, you know, the grounding of his word in my life, then when I walk in those my abundant life is actually richer, more doable, more manageable in the hard times as well as the easy times. And I think that's part of the reason that you spent time reading the Bible is because you grow in that to understand that and actually live it. I, I agree with that I, I, 100%. I do think that what happens, though, is that the more that you spend time with the Lord in his word, 
and, uh, and in prayer. And the more that you experience him working in your life and you develop what they call an ongoing personal relationship with him, another thing changes, which is your definition of abundance. Mm. And so right now, if your person comes to the Lord today, they surrender to Jesus today, they still carry with them a lot of definitions and a lot of perceptions because the word of the Lord has not really affected their values hardly at all, except for the fact that they've surrendered to the Lord and they're now saved. But, um, but what happens is when you spend time with him, your definition of what abundance is changes. And so the, what, what it is that you want out of life and what you think is the good stuff that all changes. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about having the peace that passes understanding. What passes understanding is not, is not the absence of conflict in your life. It's the presence of peace in the midst of conflict. That's right. and, and that's what the Lord does for you. It, it's not just that he protects you from hardship. He actually grows us as a gift through hardship when we trust in him and he comes to proves to be faithful through difficult times. You know, faith is not fact until it's tested. And I got to tell you right now, I would rather have peace in the midst of hardship than absence of peace with the presence of worldly abundance. I think what we want to kind of unpack here in this episode is, you know, as Christians, we should be prioritizing time in the word. And some of us know that, but practically have no idea how to consistently have that habit. Or maybe we've just never experienced value from it. And we don't know how to, you know, make that a part of our everyday existence. And so uh, thinking about the person who agrees with what we said so far or has never heard these things and is interested and wants to know what the Bible could mean to him or to her, how, how do we begin, you know, seeing the Bible as valuable? Uh, a lot of it is that the, the, the main value driver for biblical values is designed by the Lord to be the home and not necessarily the church or the pulpit. And that's just because you're at home all the time every day. Right. Uh, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, the Lord says, This word which I'm giving you today is to be on your heart and teach it diligently to your children. And then he describes a scenario where in everything that you do throughout the day, talk about it. Mm -hmm. And when you have a culture like that, well, then now values are being passed because this is what your father is talking about. It's what your mother is talking about. But because that doesn't sort of naturally exist today, I mean, look at what the family is today mm -hmm. and look at how disjointed and distracted so many family members are. Um, somehow, somewhere that's got to start. I think the first thing that you need to do is get with people who value the word of the Lord mm -hmm. and, and get with them. And if you can't find those people, well, that's why Groundworks Ministries exists, to, to develop groups of people who were reading the Bible every day and, uh, and that way you have a community of sorts where you can either meet in person or you can go online. And uh, my Wednesday night class, for example, uh, we're represented by seven or eight different countries at the same time as I'm teaching people in a room in Memphis, Tennessee. So th the first thing you need to do, though, is to get into that community which values the Bible, and then you'll start to be, uh, come a person who who values being in the, the word every day personally. 
So which do you think comes first, Steve, is getting into reading the Bible and learning, then discovering that it is valuable? Or can you identify the value before you get into it? Because it sounds as if in this scenario, you essentially said, we're going to get in it and we'll talk about what it means to you later. So is it more important to just get started or do you need to understand the why first? No, I don't think, I don't, I don't know that you can really fully appreciate the why until, uh, and, and, until you're in it. I think what you have to do is determine that, that life right now in the trajectory that is on without reading the Bible and having a personal relationship with the Lord is um, that's, that's not going to be in my scenario anymore. I, I need the Lord. And, and I wrote a bridge to a song that I don't know that I ever recorded, but it says that when you crave a savior that you, that you can depend upon, then you'll find salvation like the morning finds the dawn. And when you come to the point in your life where you say, I need the Lord every day. I need to walk with him. I need him to walk with me. I can't do this on my own. When you get to that point, then do it. Because like we say, the right time to do the right thing is right now. And a good plan today is better than a great plan tomorrow. So, so, so start today because today, you know, you need to do it. And, and there's like a lot of, I was a, I was a track athlete. It's hard to imagine I was an athlete, <laughs> but, um, but you know, those are all kind of like coaching kind of things, you know, quitting today makes it easier to quit tomorrow. So not starting today will make it easier for you to not start tomorrow. Don't set a trend of not reading the Bible. Start today. And I start with a very simple question, and I've been doing this for as long as I've been reading the Bible, and I never don't pray this prayer. And you ready for it? It's in English even. Most of you can understand it. <laughs> Lord, give me something today, right? And give me somebody to share it with. So, so number one, give me something today and give me someone to share it with. And what that does is it says, Lord, I need you today and I need something from you today personally. But the purpose of you giving me this, uh, these answers and these solutions uh, is so that I can also serve other people. So there is a purpose beyond my and when I say selfish needs, I don't mean that in a negative context. I have needs for myself. Mm. But there's a purpose for God revealing the truth of his word to you. It is to help you, yes, but it's also that you would pour into the lives of others. Because really, that is our purpose, to know God and to make him known. So God, give me something today and give me somebody to share it with, and it will blow your mind the first time that somebody comes up to you with a question, a theological question, and you open up your mouth and the, and the words come out and it is the right answer and it's the biblical answer. And you can't even believe that you said that. Sometimes the person you need to counsel is the person standing in your own shoes. And I can't tell you how many times that I've been anxious about this or that, you know, giving Tuesday was not long ago. And so, you know, it's like, Lord, are we going to make all of this, uh, you know, finances that we need and all this stuff? And you start feeling anxious and you stop and you say, uh, 
you know, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace that passes understanding. Well, see, I'm saying it's like you start counseling yourself right? and you're counseling yourself from the word of the Lord. So, you know, it's true. And then you'll find yourself counseling other people. And, and now all of a sudden, not only are you blessed by your reading the Bible, but other people are blessed because of what the Lord is depositing into you. Well, here's a question. As I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm agreeing with how, you know, as you spend more time in the word, you grow in it and you have a desire to understand it more and more. For somebody who's just starting, should they read by themselves or should they look for a Bible teacher to help guide them? Yeah. Well, the the best Bible teacher that we know is the Holy Spirit. Discipleship is a big word which gets thrown around a lot of churches, but it's funny when you ask people to define discipleship, sometimes people uh, hesitate on how they would define what that means. But if you just break it down in simple terms, the root word is discipline. And whenever you're a disciple of anything, let's take karate. I don't show up with a soccer ball and cleats, right? Because it's the wrong sport. I, I'm So you're disciplined to something buy something and for something okay to something buy something for something so i'm disciplined as a christian to the word of the lord right by the holy spirit and and just because jesus said it as well he said you know the father the, uh when i'll i'm leaving here you know he's resurrected but then he's he's spoken to his disciples as i'm leaving but, but the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you in all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to teach you the truth of the word of the Lord. So a disciple is disciplined to the word of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. And then when you are in community with other people who are Christians and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're also seeking the word of the Lord together, now you have a community which is on a spiritual level. But okay, but why? So, so, I'm, commu- so I'm disciplined to the word of the Lord by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of what the Bible calls the Great Commission, which is to go into the world and to share the truth of the gospel, not just with your words, but also with your actions and with your attitudes. You're really trying to be a showman sample of how God can transform a life and that other people can see visible transformation in your life. And so a disciple, you're disciplined to the word by the Holy Spirit, living in community with other people like that for the purpose of going out and telling other people, you know, like they say, it's like it's like a guy who got healed who is telling other people about the doctor who healed him. And that's really what the Great Commission is. You go out and you go tell people about this transformation in your life and how they can have it as well. Uh, you know, we, we exist in order to get people in the Word every day, to have a community around that, and uh, and then allow the Lord to transform your life. And uh, even if you don't have anybody around you, just read the Bible and Lord, show me, give me something today, somebody to share it with, and then start praying to the Lord. And then Lord, bring me into community with other people with like passion. You know, I've always said, what have you got to lose? Especially in the world today where it's chaos. Everywhere around us, it's chaos. People are 
short-tempered, angry, just, you know, all, all of this stuff from health to economics to the, the world is spinning rapidly. And so, you know, if you haven't, why not? Why not open up God's word and go, maybe there is something here that will help me bring to my life what I need to live in a world that is chaotic because I most certainly need it now. We do. And I would say this too, but when you start reading the Bible, make it a commitment to do it every day. And, and the reason why I say that is you really ask yourself, when do I need the Lord? And you need him every day. You might not perceive that you do, but you do. And, and so I tell you this much, whether you believe in spiritual warfare or not, uh, that is the presence of evil, um, it's there. The world comes at you every single day, all day. So you need the Lord every day. Why in the world would you say the, the world is coming around me, coming at me every day, all day, but I really only want Jesus for an hour once a week. On the weeks that it works in my schedule. <laughs> yeah, on weeks, right. Yeah. But that I don't have nothing else to do. And by the way, my friend just bought a lake house. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it's because you need him. You need him every day. Mm-hmm. And and he'll show up every day that you want to go. Uh, you want to show up and have a conversation with him. So I'm assuming that there's somebody listening who's like, okay, I agree with Steve. I want to start reading the Bible. I know that there's going to be a value for me. And as you've even pointed out, I'm going to be able to, you know, bless someone else through what God shows me in the word. Where do they begin? I mean, somebody's brand new to the Bible. Where do you suggest they start reading? Or do you have tools that you would recommend they check out that can get them started on this habit? Yes. Well, um, where to begin? The first of the year, I think the first Wednesday in 2022, uh, I'm beginning the New Testament again and teaching people through the New Testament. Uh, I would pick up the Bible in probably the Gospel of John. Gospel of John's a great book to begin reading. Uh, and and I just would pick it up and say, Lord, show me something today and 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 give me somebody to share it with. And I would commit to, here's what I do. I read it once with a highlighter. I wish I could show you a picture of my Bible. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it looks psychotic, quite frankly. <laughs> but um, I, I read it like a kindergartner reads. I literally highlight every line as I read it. And then the reason why I do that is to set a backdrop. I'll then go back with a, with a pen. And then I'll, I'll literally take every single word and I'll think about every word. And the reason is because nothing is arbitrary. If there's a date in the Bible, it's there for a reason. If there is a, a festival that's mentioned, it's mentioned for a reason. And so I start going word by word and breaking it down word by word. And when I teach the Bible, I teach a chapter, I teach it word for word. So I start with whatever the first verse of that is. Matthew chapter one starts, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And we break all that down the, that that whole sentence gets broken down. And I start to think, Lord, you want me to meditate on this scripture. And so I want to really think about what it is you're trying to say to me. And not just to me, you're trying to say it to everyone. What are you trying to communicate about yourself that is so urgent that we should be reading this today and applying it to our lives? 
and I start I start going from there. Mm-hmm. And if you just like when you go to the gym and you're like, hey, I want to lift a lot of weight, but I'm not really strong. Well, then you need somebody to help spot you. Well, then come hang out with us because mm-hmm. that's what we do. Love it, Steve. And this actually is going to air the 21st of December. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to do exactly that, to join you in January and start their own journey with God's word. You know, even if they've had one, this is might be more focused for them. Or if they haven't, you know, again, why not? Why not go down this road and see if there are things in this Bible that's the biggest selling book in the world, there must be a reason for it. Are there things in there that actually can help me in my life? So I think you brought us a lot to ponder and I personally love what you do. So Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. If I can end with any kind of an exhortation or some kind of a uh, encouragement, uh, I would just say to this, um, you know, we are a generation that yells at the microwave for being too slow. <laughs> and so many have forgotten what it was like to cook popcorn on a stovetop. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? Value systems cannot be microwaved. In God's end game, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's not a download like you saw in The Matrix. Remember that movie where all of a sudden he's like, I know Kung Fu. Sure. Uh, You don't know Jesus because you spend a little bit of time in the Bible. But what you do find is you find the greatest friend you'll ever have, the one whom the Bible says sticks closer than a brother or a sister, as this case may be. (laughs) And uh, you'll find the greatest friend that you ever have. You'll, You'll find yourself having faith and hope because it's now founded on something which is unchanging right. and uh and just know that faith in value systems is a conventional of an approach and i know it's contra to our culture but it's the greatest relationship that you will ever have moving beyond a saving moment of surrendering to the lord and then having an ongoing relationship with him in his word and it's it'll transform everything that you ever expected uh, every you you can't imagine how great it will be to just simply know that that while we don't know what the future holds we know who holds the future and you can depend on him and uh and i'm encouraged for y'all and i want to say thank you for bringing me on today and just asking me a few questions it means a lot to me well you certainly have been an encouragement to us so thank you so much steve thank you thank you steve it's been great we'll put all the links for everything that you do in the show notes and all of our social okay thank you all right appreciate you I know Steve already gave us quite a bit of Bible to ponder and put in our hearts, but I love this verse, so I'm going to add it. Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I just want to highlight kind of what he wants us to be thinking about and encourage you to start today. 
whether you've ever read the Bible, whether you have a habit and you just want to grow in more consistency, start today. If you don't know where to begin, he encouraged you to pick up in the book of John or follow along with Groundworks Ministries and go through his online teachings. But really, there is no reason to, like Dar said, put off any longer creating this habit of getting in the word. And so we want to encourage you to do that, especially as we begin to close out this year and start a new one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.